I want to continue our series on crutches uh, this week, and we're going to talk specifically about giving. Now, we started Urban, uh, gosh, six, seven weeks ago now, but we also had a previous service back in November where we talked about giving. And we talked about giving in the sense that, man, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Give, it'll be given back to you. And we talked about it from a very broad perspective. Um, you know, you, you give somebody help, you receive help, you know, in return. You give somebody love, you receive love in return. You give somebody forgiveness, you receive give forgiveness in return. But tonight, as we talk about crutches and we talk about giving, I'm going to talk about it from a purely financial standpoint. Um, and we're going to see why here in just a minute. Um, and, and as we probably know it, for those that have been going to church or attended church or have been a part of church for a while, and maybe you're new to this, uh, we call it tithes or offerings, okay? And so tonight we're going to talk about giving. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, going to read through 47. It says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all. The people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Genesis chapter 26. Genesis 26, going to start in verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land. I want you to take note of that word famine. There was a famine in the land, besides the former famine that had. They had in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Gerar of Abimelech, king of the Philistines. The Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with you, will bless you. You and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, and will give to your offspring all these lands, and in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac settled in Gerar. Now turn with me over to verse 12. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more until he became very wealthy. He had possessions of flocks and herds and many servants, so that the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped and filled the earth, all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. So Isaac departed from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water that he had been dug in the days of it. Abraham, his father, which the Philistines had stopped after the death of Abraham. And he gave them the names that his father had given them. Now turn with me to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3. So again, if you don't have a Bible, I believe the verses are up there behind me. Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 8. It says this, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say... How have we robbed you? The reply is in your tithes and your contributions. 
You are a curse of the curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. For I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. I'll rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nation will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us tonight through your word. God, through this subject that we're talking about, and God, every one of us would walk away tonight encouraged, built up, edified. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you're with me. All right. We started our series about three weeks ago on crutches, and in essence, we're talking about this, that there is something that you and I can lean on. Now, we've been talking about it as we go through hard times, but I want you to know something tonight, that it's not just something you can lean on when you're going through hard times. It's something that God intended for you to lean on all the time. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, to, to, to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean unto your own understanding, or if I could put it this way, don't lean unto your own ways, your own thinking, your own knowledge. Your own, don't lean into that stuff, okay? It goes on to, on to say, but... In all that you do, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your steps. In other words, the Bible is saying this, trust or lean on the Lord. That God really does want to be your crutch. That the King of kings and the Lord of lords really does want to be the one that carries you, not just through the hard times in your life, but every season of your life. And I know this, the Bible says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now that's just not a theological statement. That's not just a statement that goes towards salvation. If you read that scripture, that is a scripture that covers everything in life. That if I call upon the name of the Lord in a time of need, He will be there. He will hear. He will be there and He will answer. God wants to be our crutch. Jesus, and so when people say, you know what, that, that Jesus thing, that's just a crutch. I, I begin to agree with them. You're right, it is. But you know what? I would rather lean on Him than on you any day. Are you with me? Okay. Now, He does give us a body of believers. And we talked about community. A couple weeks ago, and we talked about how God gives us like-minded people or a community of believers called the church where when one person is struggling, guess what? Another person is there to help them through that struggle. We talked about the value of community. Talked about the value of God's Word and how God's Word can carry us. Well, tonight I want to talk about giving. But right before I do, I want to read this to you, and I want the ushers to get ready um, because we're going to take up the tithes and offerings right now. I figured I already read scriptures on giving. I don't need to do two things. We'll just do it all at the same time. So ushers, go and get ready with those buckets. Two men were shipwrecked near an island. When they landed ashore, one of them began screaming and yelling, We're going to die! We're going to die! There's no food! There's, there's no water! We're going to die! The second man leaned calmly against the palm tree. When the first man saw how calm his friend was. He went crazy and shouted, Don't you understand? We're going to die! Understand, the second man replied. You don't understand. I make $100,000 a week. Dumbfounded, the first man looked at him and asked, What difference does that make? We're on an island with no food and no water. We're going to die. Second man answered, You just don't get it. I make 100000 a week, and I tithe 10% on that 100000 a week. Wherever I am, my pastor will be sure to find me. Praise God for that man. 
Ushers, go ahead and you can pass the buckets. Wherever I am, my pastor is sure to find me. Acts chapter 2. We've been reading this scripture every week, and we we found four basic principles out of Acts chapter 2 that we believe that Jesus wants his church to look like, or Jesus wants to create a crutch with these four things so that people can lean on them. We talked about the first one, which was community. We talked about having that body of believers where we can go when we're struggling. The second one we talked about is the Word, because the Bible says in Acts chapter 2 that they gave themselves daily to the apostles' teaching. Not only did they give themselves to the apostles' teaching, but they were together, breaking bread, talking about community, and so we talked about that. The Bible talks about how they prayed together daily, and we're going to talk about that next week. But it says this in verse 44, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. I don't believe we can talk about the New Testament church. I don't believe we can talk about the church that Jesus Christ intended without talking about this principle of giving. Or if I could put it this way, tithes and offerings. Now, as we go into tonight, there, there's a lot of people that say, well, tithes and offerings or tithes just in of themselves, that was Old Testament. So the tithes, man, we see that principle, that's great, that was Old Testament. And so a lot of people, they say, well, tithes aren't for today. Well, the giving principle still holds true. So if you don't believe in the tithing principle, then you must believe in the Acts chapter 2 principle, which is sell everything you have. Is that the one you believe in? So, so no, 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 I, I believe in the tithing principle. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> if you read your Bible, you either believe in one or the other. There's no way of getting around when it comes to this, the financial issue of giving and receiving tithes or whatever it might be. If, there's no way of getting around it. It is a part of the church. It's a part of who we are. And I believe this. I believe the reason a lot of people don't give, a lot of, the reason a lot of people don't tithe is, is, number one, they don't understand it. Or number two, they've never been taught properly. Or number three, they've been turned off by abuse of the issue. But as we look at Acts chapter 2, it is very clear that one of the things the people leaned on, and now this was not, ladies and gentlemen, this was not a theory. This wasn't like a concept of, oh, they had all things in common. This was the way they were living. This is the way they did life together. And as you look at Acts chapter 2, it's, it's very clear that they had a concept of how to give and also how to receive how to distribute that which was, was giving. Now, as we talk about this tonight, um, I want you to understand something. I'm not an expert on finances. Okay? There's people sitting here tonight that are, that are doing a whole lot better financially than I am. There's people sitting in here tonight that know how to invest money better than I do. There's people sitting here tonight that they might have this, this huge portfolio, which really at this point in time probably isn't doing them a whole lot of good. But... They know how to invest. They know this thing, that thing. That is not me, okay? I do the best with the knowledge I have and that which God has given me. I, I do have a budget set up and I try to live within that budget and within those means, okay? But I'm not an expert on the, the financial saving and investments part, okay? That being said, I believe I have become an expert on the tithing principle. Not because I'm a pastor, but simply because 12 years ago, and even before that, but 12 years ago, when I began my relationship with my wife, we'll be celebrating our 12-year anniversary this August. 
When we started on this journey of marriage, one of the first discussions we had was on finances. And it's a good discussion to have as you're getting into marriage. And we talked about the tithing issue, and we discussed how are we going to do this, and we settled it in our heart from day one, we are going to be tithers. And now, we are not perfect in our marriage, we are not perfect in a lot of, a lot of areas in our life, but I can tell you without fail, you can look at our tax returns if you want, one area that we've remained faithful ever since we've been married has been on this one subject of tithing. And we have given. Matter of fact, back in the day when we got tips and things like that, now hear my heart, I can only talk from my perspective. When we got tips, she was working in a tip industry, I was working in a tip industry. We took this so serious for the first year that when we came home, like if I made 100 bucks that night in tips, I took $10 out in cash and we stuck it in a little jar. So at the end of the week when we went to church, or the beginning of the week, however you want to look at it, when we went to church, we took that cash and we put it uh, right in the offering bucket. That's how seriously we took this thing. And we took this thing to heart and we've been living by it. I, I say that to say this, there has been times when we have, we, it's come down to crunch time. How is this bill going to get paid? How are we going to pay rent? And we're going to, talk, I'm going to talk to you about some of those things tonight. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? But can I tell you something? Without fail, every single time, God has come through for me and my wife. Now, it wasn't like money fell from heaven, although I'm still believing for that someday. Did you guys hear about what happened, not the, the money that was being tossed out on the, on the freeway? Were any of you those people that picked up the cash? I'm waiting for that day, not coming out of a car on the freeway, but literally falling from heaven, you know, in my living room or something. Like, this is awesome, God. But God usually uses people to help you out. God might speak to somebody else, hey, why don't you bless that person? And God's done that to us. God's used other people to bless us, and God's used us to bless other people. Hasn't happened falling from it, but we're still believing for that. God uses different circumstances and situations, but I tell you, as I sit here today, we have never, ever, ever missed in anything. Why? Because God has been our provider. He really is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. And I believe he's your provider as well as mine. Acts chapter 2 lays out this principle uh, very clearly. And um, now is not a time to necessarily be looking to the government. Now is not a time to be looking how is, you know, how is the bailout thing going to work? Because if you just watch the first couple of checks they cut to AIG, I found myself glued to the television watching that. I'm thinking, wow, this is like, wow, this isn't working so well. Anyway, this is a time to be looking to God. And this is a time where you've got to understand what you invest in, you'll also get a return out of. Are you with me tonight? So I believe this. I believe, and I'm going to talk from my perspective tonight, I believe the tithe principle is still in effect today. Now, once again, if you don't believe purely in the tithe principle, then you're a New Testament person. You're probably selling everything and giving away, and, and I'm just not there yet, okay? I'm on the 10%, all right? Genesis chapter 26, as we read tonight, uh, paints a picture, and I want you to catch the picture as we get to the points tonight. The picture is this. Isaac, the Bible says, is living in a time of what? A time of famine, okay? Now, you've got to understand something. This is not the first famine that happened. This is literally a second famine now that's going on, and if you study it, they actually believe that this famine was worse than the first famine, okay? Uh, to me, I haven't seen a famine. I know they say we're in a recession. Things are looking bad. I haven't seen a famine yet, okay? And I hope I never do, okay? But to go through one famine and now two famines, and here's what the Bible says. Isaac is literally departing from where he's at, and he's going somewhere. And I want you to take note of where it says he's going. It says he's going down to where? Egypt. Time of famine, things aren't looking good. If we could put it in our terms, at the time of recession, things aren't looking good. 
Things are looking bad. They need answers. And Isaac does the first thing he knows to do. I'm going to go to Egypt. Now understand something. In the Old Testament, Egypt is a, is a foreshadow or a type of the world. Or the world system. Okay? So in other words, Isaac was looking at the recession. And he saw how bad it was. And what he began to do is he began to look to the world. There's the answer. There's where I'm going to go. I got, I, got, I got to fix things. Are you with me tonight? Starts to go down to Egypt. God shows up. Don't you love it when God shows up? God shows up and says, Isaac, hold on a second. Hold on, hold on. You don't need to go to the world. You don't need to look to Egypt. Matter of fact, Isaac, this is what I want you to do. Okay? Now, the Bible says that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Okay? So let me, just, let me just settle something right now. When God speaks something to you and it doesn't make sense, don't try to figure it out. You'll just mess it up. Okay? Don't try to make sense of it because you never will. Okay? One thing I've learned when God speaks and lines up with His Word, I should probably just obey it and do it because it's going to work out. Are you with me tonight? So here's Isaac. He's got his plan. He's got his family. Let's go. We're going to go to Egypt. And we're going to find, we're going to find plenty of stuff there. We're going to find food there. We're going to find abundance there. God shows up and says, hold on. Don't go there. I want you to go to this place. Okay. The place he went to, they were still experiencing famine. Okay. Follow the scripture tonight. They were experiencing famine. Isaac, in simple obedience, says, okay, God, I'm going to do what you said to do. And he goes down. Now catch this principle. And the Bible says that he sowed in that land. He sowed into the land that God told him to go to. You following it tonight? Okay? I'm going to the world. No, you're not. You're going to stop. I want you to stay here and I want you to do this. Okay, I'll do it. He obeys. Okay? He sows in the land and the very next scripture says that he reaped a hundredfold. Okay? Last time I checked, that's a lot. He reaped a hundredfold in that land that had famine. Why? Because he obeyed. Okay, last week we talked about you can't just hear the word, you've got to do the word. It's not just enough for me to read the Bible, I've got to put the Bible into practice. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute in Malachi. It's not just enough for me to hear, man, that's a great thought, God, but they got food there. There ain't no food here. It doesn't make sense. But he decided to put into practice that what God was talking about. He did it. He sowed in that land. Here's the principle. You've got to invest into something in order to get a return out of something. Okay? I don't know anything in the world where you can just get a return on something without investing into it. Okay? Well, I can win the lotto. You still had to pay a buck to get your lotto ticket. Right? I mean, the principle is very simple. You, you go to Burger King and you get a BK broiler, you have to give them money in order to get that, right? Okay? You go to McDonald's, you want a Happy Meal, you have to give them whatever it is to get the Happy Meal. Okay? You go to the Gap, they ain't going to give you free clothes. You've got to give them wherever you shop. Okay? The principle is real easy. I invest and I get a return. If you invest in AIG, you get... We don't know what you get yet, Okay? The principle is real simple. You invest, you get a return. There's nothing. Matter of fact, the Bible says this in Galatians. God is not mocked. That which a man sows, he will also reap. So I've got to sow into something in order to get a return out of something. Okay? So here's Isaac, and he says, okay, he stays in the land, but he doesn't just camp out and try to live off of everybody else's wealth. 
he decides, you know what, if this is where God wants me, I've got to sow into this thing. If this is the place God wants me, I've got to sow into it. If this is the job God's given me, then I can't just sit around and, and, and collect a paycheck. I've got to do my time. I've got to put into my job in order. Matter of fact, it doesn't work. If you just think you can sit on your job and collect a paycheck, it don't work. Okay? They're going to come along one of these times and be like, dude, you're not getting the job done. So I'm here, clocked in. No, it doesn't work that way. They, you've got to invest in order to get a return. Okay? The same principle is true in the kingdom economy. If I want to get a return, I have to invest. Okay? Now, are you saying, Ben, that I have to invest my finances into the kingdom in order to get a financial blessing in return? Yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. You mean I can buy the kingdom? No, no. We're talking purely finances. Okay? If you want to, if you want to, if you want to reap salvation... You've got to invest your life into him and say, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God and that you died on the cross for my sins. Okay, there's salvation, okay? But in order to get a financial return, there's got to be an investment. Now listen to me, okay? You've got to catch this tonight. If I invest in a stock, okay, pick one. Probably don't want to invest any right now, but let's just say it's five years ago, stock's going good, okay? If I want to invest in a certain, okay, my return is not just contingent on my investment, though. If those stocks are doing really well because of other investments and things that are going on, my little bit that I invested also does really well. Does that make sense? So just because I invested $2 doesn't mean I get 4 back. If I invested $2, I can get 200 back, depending on how the stock is doing. Okay? But if I don't invest anything into that stock, no matter how good it does or no matter how bad it does, I'm not affected by it. Okay? So here's what I'm saying tonight. When you invest into the kingdom of God, you might have invested your $10. But guess what? If everybody does their part and invests, your $10 might not just yield a $100 return. It could yield a lot more than that. That is the picture of Acts chapter 2. That is what's taking place. It's not like one rich guy just stepped up and said, look, I own a lot of property. And so I'm just going to sell it all and just here, you know, just go and distribute to whoever has need. No, the Bible says that everyone was involved. Everyone was doing their part, selling their stuff, okay? Now, now hear me, I'm not going to ask you to sell anything, okay? Okay, I took up the tithes and offerings before I preached this, okay? I didn't want to do it at the end, you know, because I'd be like, oh, he's one of those guys. Okay. I am one of those guys. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Hear it tonight. If we all do our part, what, what, what is a tithe? Very simple. Let me tell you, a tithe in the biblical sense is simply this. It's the first 10% of anything that comes in. So if I find a penny, figure it out. I don't know. Get the clippers out. Look like a tenth, honey. Yeah, you know. If I make 10 bucks, I'm given a buck, okay? Now listen to me. You're not giving it to me. You're not giving it to Urban, okay? You're just following a biblical principle, okay? The biblical principle is... 10%, okay? Now, when you give that 10%, okay, whether it's this church, whether it's another church, whatever it is, when you give it, listen to me, you're not giving it to the church, you're giving it to God out of the biblical principle, okay? Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? It's no longer my duty or your duty to say, okay, now let's see how this is spent or where this goes. Okay, now hear me tonight. We're going to, we post everything online. We're going to be posting our first quarterly statements online so everybody can see you know, where the money's going. But listen to me. The principle is this. God, I'm supposed to give. 
Okay, you've provided an avenue for me to give. I give it, but now, God, I've done my part, so it doesn't matter what happens from this point on. I've done my part, so now, God, the blessings can come my way. Are you with me tonight? Okay. Let me take it a step further. What would it be like if all of us, okay, and I don't just mean all of us sitting in this room, I mean the church of Jesus Christ at large, if we all did our part, and man, there's, there's a big mega church over here, but yet there's a smaller church over here. Well, you know what? We're all the body of Christ. It looks like, man, they're struggling. That church over there is struggling a little bit, but you know, we got a surplus over here, but, but they're Baptist and we're not. And they're Presbyterian. What if the body of Christ got to the place where, man, we, there's, we got one thing in common. What's that? Jesus. Okay. Man, I might have a little bit of theological differences, but you know what? We believe in one thing, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for all humanity, and there's no way to God except through him, okay? What would happen? I want to get to the place as urban where we are so financially stable that we're not just like, you know, doing things within urban, but we can find those churches that we can find those church planners and we can find those people that have a dream and that I want to start a church in this area. I want to do this. And we can say, here, we'll help you do it, okay? But it takes everybody doing their part and giving together. Is this making sense tonight? Principle is this. So wherever Isaac was, I want you to sow in that land. Okay? So, if this is just a place you attend at night, but maybe you have another church that you attend, and that's your church, and that's where your tithe belongs. Okay? Sow there. Give there, because that's where your heart is. The Bible says, wherever your heart, heart is, there your treasure is also. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart is also. So, man, if that's where your heart's at, and that's where you're serving, and that's where, you're, man, that's where, you're, that's where your tithe belongs. You, you follow what I'm saying tonight? Okay? But if urban really is becoming your church, you say, man, yeah, this is great, okay? Then, this, then give your tithe, okay? Give that 10% and watch and see what God does. Are you with me tonight? Okay. Isaac sowed in the land. Now look what happens. Remember, it's a time of famine. You say, man, Ben, you, you picked a really bad time to talk about this topic. That's okay, because I didn't pick it. I just listened to God. Those that have known me for a long time know that I, I try to avoid this subject. Okay? But I didn't pick it. And I was, I, was actually, I was actually trying to get around it. And I was like, I'll do prayer this weekend, and then maybe God will fill it. Man, what, there's got to be something else I did in Acts chapter 2 that I need to talk about, you know? God says, no, I want you to talk about that. Because this is a part of the culture of the church that Jesus Christ wanted. One of generous giving. Man, you're in need. Man, here you go. Let me help you out. Now let, let me do that for you. Okay? And I say, Ben, well, well, but I thought tithing was under the old covenant. And when Jesus Christ came, he did away with the law. And so now I don't have to tithe any longer. Once again, okay, I'm fine if you believe that because then you're the Acts 2 guy. Okay? But let's just say you don't give in to either one. And we can, we can, we can, I'm open to emails. I want to hear your guys' response on this one. Okay? On all of them, but I just know that usually this one gets a big response. But Listen. Tithe was not actually set up under the law. Tithe was actually set up years before under a man named Abraham. And it was set up, and you can read about it, just jot this down in Genesis chapter 14. It was actually set up under the Abrahamic covenant, not the Mosaic covenant. And it was set up long before, and the Bible, it teaches it very clearly, covenants are still in effect as long as the seal still exists. What was the seal of the Abrahamic covenant? You can read about that one. It's another subject. Praise Jesus. Circumcision. Okay, moving right along. 
it's still in effect today. Which is really cool, because if you read about the blessings that are to come upon Abraham and all of his descendants, it's really, really, really good blessing. Are you with me? So if the seal is still in effect, the covenant's still in effect, that means the blessings that come with the covenant are still in effect. That means as long as I'm living under the covenant agreement with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that means I'm qualified for the blessing. You can read about it in Genesis, okay? We don't have time to go there tonight, okay? But there cannot be a return unless there is an investment. Are you with me tonight? This is really quiet. People are taking notes like, I don't agree with that statement. He's going to be getting an email from me on that one. Praise Jesus. Invest. Invest. I think about, man, there are people actually coming to us. We're only seven weeks old, and there are people coming to us right now saying, you know, I need help with groceries. And you know what? We're going to help them with groceries, and we have. Okay? But yet, we're not even to a place yet where we're breaking even. Okay? No business after seven weeks, let me assure you. We're not even a place, but you know what we said? We said we do have a little extra. You know what? Let's be the New Testament church. Let's help them buy groceries. Let's help them out. But I thought about this. What if we all really believed the Bible? We could have a large surplus to where we couldn't just help one elderly lady, but we could help, you know, this person over here and that person there and and this person here. And and it's not just finances, but that's what we're talking about tonight. It could be, man, someone's moving. Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll help you. I'm really good at this, by the way. I helped my team move and move in and move out. I've, I mean, if, so if you're moving, let us know. We are like, have church, we'll move you, okay? We're going we're to get a truck. We might start a business. I don't know. But if you're moving, let us know. We'll, we'll lift some furniture, okay? Um, but whatever it is, man, think about it. If we all did our part, and man, God was just continuing to, to bring the tithes and the offerings in. Because okay? we're going to see in a minute, it's not for a person, it's for Him. And think about all the people we could bless. Think about the people that are in need. We actually have helped people out with rent already. We've helped people with groceries. Now, this isn't an advertisement like, okay, we know where we're going right after the service. Hey, I'm, okay. But I will say this. You don't want to miss next week, okay? Because we're going we're gonna to put this into practice next week as a church. And there's some people that are in need. You don't want to miss next week, okay? Because I believe that, man, your need is going to be met. I really do, okay? Maybe not to the extent that we want to, but it, it's, it's going to help. So you don't want to miss next week because we're going to be the church and we're going to help each other out. But I'm just thinking, God, if everybody grasps this principle, man, we could really touch a community. Look, it is not my desire to build the largest church in San Diego. It is my desire to build an influential church in San Diego. That when someone has a need, they don't need to call, you know, uh, the, the government. They can call a church. Think about that. If you look at the, uh, uh, the New Testament, People were not going to the government. They were going to the church in a time of need. Are you with me tonight? Malachi, chapter 3. The question is proposed in Malachi, chapter 3, in verse 8. Will a man rob God? Now understand something about the book of Malachi. Malachi was, was placed in such a way, he was a prophet in such a time that God used him, God spoke to him, and God spoke through him, and then God stopped speaking. If you understand the Bible, there is a 400-year gap between Malachi the prophet and Matthew chapter 1. 400 years where God said nothing. Talk about a famine. (laughs) 
400 years. And so understanding that, you've got to realize that what Malachi is saying and Malachi is prophesying and Malachi is communicating is something that God wanted communicated. It's like God's final words before he's silent for 400 years. You, you follow me tonight. And here's one of the things he says in Malachi chapter 3. Will, a man, will man rob God? It's a question. And obviously none of us would say, oh yeah, I'll rob God. Give me a gun. God, give me all your money, you know. What a silly question. How do you rob God? How do you take something from God? When, when, how does that work? He says, well, you have robbed me. Well, how, how have we robbed you, God? Here it is. In your tithes, verse 10%, and your contributions. That's a pretty strong statement. And you actually have robbed me. We have, God, we're sorry. What can we do? Tithes and offerings. Okay. It's put out there. Here it is. This is how significant it is. God wants to open the windows of heaven over your life and over the church, but there's only one thing standing in the way. What's that? We're robbing God. Because if you read on, he says, look now, I want you to test. And if you look at this, this is one of the only times when God says, hey, go ahead and test me. Go ahead, test God. Okay, what are we going to do? This is how you're going to test him. Go ahead and give tithes. Go ahead and give offerings. Do it like Isaac did. Sow where you're at. This is where I belong. I'm going to sow. I'm going to sow. And see if I won't open the windows of heaven for you and pour out great blessings that you won't even be able to contain it. How many of you guys want that? Okay, the rest of you that aren't raising your hands, are you like, oh, pff, I don't want to be blessed. I want to be the leech that sucks all the blessings. No, I was kidding. <laughs> God forgive me. That was so mean. Unbelievable. Why do I say those things? I think everybody would say, yes, I want those type of blessings. I want so much blessings in my life that not only am I blessed, but I have enough that I can now go bless other people. Not only am I going to bless other people, I'm going to bless other churches and other families. And Now we're going to do this thing. Why? Because there's such a blessing. Yes, I want that. God, how does that work? Are you buying the blessing from God? No, you're walking in obedience. And because God rewards principle, when you walk in obedience to his word, there are rewards that come. You with me tonight? There, are, there really are rewards that come. And God is saying, I want you to be blessed. I want to open up the windows of heaven. I want the church to be the place that people can come and say, man, I'm in need. My house is about to get foreclosed on. Now listen to me, I'm not the financial expert, okay? I am walking through the same exact situations you guys are walking through right now. I wish I could say I'm on the other side and guys, here's how I got through it. I've been through some, my own financial difficulties in life, sure, but compared to some of your financial difficulties, they're probably small. But right now I'm walking through the same exact thing that everybody else is walking through. I don't have a surplus of savings where if, if, you know, if I was to lose my job, God forbid that, oh, it's okay, I got, I got enough saved where I can carry myself for three months, although they actually recommend now 12 months. I don't have that. I don't know too many people that do. I'm, I'm in the trenches right now with you. I have a home in Vegas that I would have loved to sell when I moved out here, but I can't. Not because of foolish spending and an unwise mortgage, 
But because one day it was worth, you know, 546,000 and the next day it was worth 280,000. What am I supposed to do with that? Not, trust me, I didn't buy it when it was 546,000. Some of you are like, wow, dude. It, I didn't buy it when it was that much, okay? It rose to that much, okay? But then, then now, I mean, I can't sell it for that, and I, I can't sell it for even what I owe on it now. What, what do I do? I'm in the same financial situation everybody else is, but I haven't stopped tithing. Because I've learned something. There is a kingdom investment. If I invest into it, the Bible says he never leaves me, he never forsakes me. That's not just all. He gives me comfort and he cuddles me at night. Although he does and he's a pretty good cuddler, okay? Okay? But it goes for every principle. I've learned that if I invest my finances in the kingdom, there really is a return. And I really am living in that return. That doesn't mean I invest and then I just go do whatever I want to do and start spending money, okay? Because I've invested in God and He's not going to let me fail. Okay, that's called stupidity, okay? He's also given me wisdom, okay? And so I do my best to live by a budget. But hear what I'm saying tonight. I know I'm going to get a return because for 12 years I've invested. I know that in the middle of an economic crisis, listen to me right now, I do not know. Yes, I have renters in my home in Vegas, but can I tell you this? What they give me in rent does not cover the mortgage. And I, I, I tell you the truth as I stand here right now. I'm doing my best by a budget. I'm doing my best in giving tithes and offerings. And I do not know from month to month how in the world we keep being able to cover that home. Because if I sit and try to figure it out, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't pencil out. All I can boil it down to is this. The righteous have never been forsaken, nor their seed had to bake bread. I've invested into the kingdom, and I'm going to get a return out of the kingdom. I really honestly believe that. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? Now, I want you to understand something. Oh, my gosh, it's 7.15. People have been saying, well, church can go longer. Okay, thank you. <laughs> understand this real quickly. Understand, and write this down, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. The Bible says that God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give out of compulsion. Listen to me. You don't have to give. You really don't. And you can only give 5% or 2% or 1% or 8%. That's fine. You really can do that. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8, to give as you've purposed in your heart. And because you do that and you give as you purposed in your heart, there will be a return. But not a Malachi 3 return. There'll be a return because I've invested something. But if I want the windows of heaven opened up over my life, wow! Okay? Now here's the thing, though, is, is I've heard people like, I tried the tithe thing last week and it didn't work. Really? But yet you go get a flu shot every single year? I mean, when you, the first thing when you get sick, where do you go, the doctor? Well, you got sick again and you went back to the doctor again? It's the same principle. And just keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And all of a sudden now it's not, it's not just something that I'm like, got to get my tithe. And Pastor Ben preached on it last week. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's like, man, this is... This. They gave as they purposed in their heart. So if you purpose to give 5% until you get out, that's fine. 
Okay? But I've purposed to obey this principle that I believe very, is clear in the Scripture and give 10%. And I'm telling you, God is blessing us. Okay? But listen, if you, if you look at 2 Corinthians 9, 6-8, they gave in obedience, they gave willingly, and they gave cheerfully. They actually gave cheerfully. Let me just read this to you. It's called Walk, Run, or Fly. The visiting preacher was really getting the congregation moving near the end of his sermon. Woo-hoo. He said, this church has really got to walk. To which someone in the back yelled, let her walk, preacher, let her walk. Preacher then said, this church is going to, going to go, it's got to get up and run. To which someone in the back yelled with gusto, let her run, preacher, let her run. Feeling the surge of the church, the preacher then said with even louder gusto, if this church is going to go, it's got to fly. Once again, ever, even more gusto, someone yelled, let her fly, preacher, let her fly. The preacher then seized the moment and stated with even greater gusto, if this church is really going to fly, it's going to need money. To which someone in the back yelled, let her walk, preacher, let her walk. <laughs> Let her walk, preacher. They did not give out of compulsion because someone was, they gave willingly, they gave in obedience, and they gave cheerfully. Why give? Very simply, if you're a note taker, number one, what happens? How does this become my crutch? How does it help me through a hard time? Or how does it even help me in general? How does this carry me? Number one, when I give, it's given back to me. It's given back to me. When I give, Luke 6, 38, give, and it'll be given back. Press down, shaking together, and running all over. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Write that one down. Great verse to look at. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Bring, bring all the tithes to, to give God your 10%, man. And he's going to let your barns. What are barns? I don't have one. I have a little condo. In other words, God's going to bless what you have. It really does get given back to me. When I give, it gets given back to me. Real quickly, I remember uh, me and my wife have been married. We had purposed in our heart, we're going to give 10%. We're going to tithe. Three months into being married, I was playing basketball down at Bally's Pack West, which is a, like a 24-hour fitness. And I was in the middle of a basketball game, and some guy got mad at me and turned around and punched me in the face in the middle of the game. So I flexed my muscles and I beat him up. No, I was kidding. He was, he was a four-time NFL Pro Bowler. He was a pretty big boy, okay? Played NFL for, I don't want to say, because he might be listening. He might hunt me down. Big guy, punched me, broke my tooth in half. Nerve endings dangling. I was in shock, so I wasn't feeling the pain yet, but I went to the dentist very quickly, an emergency visit to the dentist, and they said, look, man, you're going to have that, th- you're gonna have to have that thing extracted because you might not be feeling the pain right now, but I can see the nerve endings in about an hour. You're going to be in so much pain, you're not going to be able to handle it. I was like, fine, take it out because I'm a baby. I don't care. Yank it out with pliers right now. Do whatever you got to do. So I, I got rushed into emergency surgery and they extracted the tooth. And, and uh, we had just got married. I had no insurance. And dental insurance is a joke anyway. And so I had no dental insurance. I had no insurance. And the doctor gives me the bill for like 700 bucks. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I remember I had like 400 and that's all I had. So I gave him the 400 and said, look, I'm going to have to pay you, you know, some other later or whatever. And so we worked it out. <laughs> And so now here I am, I have a big gap in my tooth, all right? And I'm like, you know, thank God I was already married, all right? 
Baby, we've been married for three months. Look what you get, you know. Just front tooth. I mean, huge gap. I'm not even lying. That thing was huge. End up, end up, that was like on a, on a Wednesday, uh, on, on Friday night, I, have an inf- I get an infection, 105 fever with Tylenol, with Motrin. They rush me to the emergency room because my wife is talking to me, and in my mind, I'm responding to her, and I'm answering her questions, but then all of a sudden, she starts shaking me like, why are you talking? And I'm like, I am. Because I, I thought I was responding to her, but I wasn't responding verbally, and so she was freaking out. They thought I was in a coma. And, so they, they rushed me to the emergency room. They thought I had scarlet fever. Ended up just being a, uh, an infection, this tooth thing. I mean, it's just like bad to worse, all right? So I don't make it to church that week. And the very next weekend, I make it to church. And we had just moved into this new facility as a church. And they were taking up an offering to retrofit this building. And, and, uh, and so we, we owed 300 on this dentist bill. And I'm working, I'm, I'm, I'm working any job I can. I'm working at the Boys and Girls Club in the morning. I'm valeting during the day and at night. And, uh, and so I show up to church, and they're taking up this offering, and God moves on my heart. He said, Ben, I want you to give some money. And I'm like, all right. I got 50 cents in my pocket, God. Let's do this, you know. He said, Ben, I want you to give everything you have in your checking. I'm like, well, I know it ain't much right now, God, so that might not be hard to do. <laughs> And so I look at my wife, and I, I, at first I looked at the checkbook, and, I was, and we had $30 left in our checking. <laughs> now you're a great provider for your wife there, aren't you? <laughs> Shut up. So, so I look at my wife, I look at Katie, and I was like, hey, babe, God just spoke to me. We're supposed to give some money. And she goes, yeah, me too. We're supposed to give $30. And I'm like, that's exactly what we have left. And she's like, you're a horrible provider. No, I'm just kidding. She's <laughs> And so I'm like, well, are we going to give it? And she's like, yeah, let's give it. So we write that check for $30. Thank God we had grocery shopped like a couple days before, you know. I was on Sunday. Monday I show up to the Boys and Girls Club. I've been out of work for a week because of what happened. And I'm working with people that are not Christians. And at the end of my shift, three-hour shift, my supervisor, who is not not a Christian even in the closest sense, comes up hands me a packet. It's almost Christmas time. So I'm thinking it's maybe Christmas schedule, something like that. She goes, here you go. Sorry you couldn't make it to the Christmas party, and we're glad you're back. Just open that when you get home. Yeah, okay, I'll open it when I get home, yeah. Open it up, and there's a wad of cash in there with a note that says, sorry you missed the Christmas party. But at the Christmas party, one of your coworkers said, you know, this is what happened to Ben. I'm sure he doesn't have a whole lot of money. He just got married. Maybe we could gather some money together and give it to him. In that moment, they became the church. They understood a principle they had never read about. No one ever taught them about. About 15 people at a Christmas party. said, okay, let's do that. And I kid you not, exactly $300 came in. You say, Ben, you mean to tell me because you gave that 30 the day before? That 300 came in. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't know why it works. But to this day, I'm glad I gave that $30 the day before. Out of sheer obedience. And the very next day, God used unsaved. Now, if I told you what these people were involved in, completely unsaved. To provide for what we needed. I don't know how it works. I'm just glad it works. But I sowed and there was a return. Number two, how does this work? When I give, God himself will bless me supernaturally. 
Malachi says, the windows of heaven will open up over my life and pour out great blessings that I won't even be able to contain it. Or it'll keep coming until there's no longer any need. How many of you guys have a need here tonight? Am I the only one that has a financial need tonight? Am I the only one? Man, what, what would it be like to get to that place until God keeps, until there's no more need? Okay, but listen to me. Look at what the Bible says. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in whose house? His house. There may be food in his house. And it says that the blessings will continue until there's no more need. Stop being selfish. The need is not just your own need. Until there's no more need. Not just yours, but need in general. What would it be? God opened up the windows of heaven like that over your life. Number three. What will happen if I give? He'll rebuke the devourer. I don't know about you, but this is a season where I need the devourer called debt. Gone. He'll rebuke the devourer. God, if you do this, if you live in this covenant, if you walk in obedience, and if you do my word, he's not only going to provide for you, but he's going to rebuke the thing that's devouring your finances. Now listen to me. If stupidity is devouring your finances, that's your fault. Okay? He's not going to come and devour you. Well, you're the stupid one spending all your money, okay? But things come up. And it might not be in the, the perfect, you know, picture way, but I mean, there's times when, man, we're doing good, we're getting ahead, and all of a sudden the car breaks down. That, to me, is a devourer. Now, you, you can go ahead, and if you've got enough faith, lay hands on your car and pray in it, okay? I'll pray over it, okay? And I've done it before, actually. But I can tell you time after time after time where my car broke down, and I'm like, man, the devourer. But all of a sudden, some surprise money will come in, and God says, I'm rebuking the devourer. Here's the money. Go ahead and fix your car. Time and time again. It might not be the way you think, but God will provide. He'll rebuke the devourer. Number four, you will continue to be fruitful. As you give, as you do your part, how does giving become something I can lean on in hard times? Because I've invested, because I've given into. As I'm going through this economic hardship, just like everybody else is, God is going to give it back to me. He's going to open up the windows of heaven supernaturally and provide for me. He's going to rebuke the devourer. Number four, you will continue to be fruitful. Why? Because you've invested, because you've given, because you've sown. And God is not mocked. That which a man sows, he will also reap. The Bible says, don't grow weary in doing well, for you will reap in due season if you do not lose heart. I feel like there are a lot of people sitting in here tonight that would say, man, I'm about to lose heart. I know there's one young man that could not find a job, and he's here tonight. He could not find a job, could not find a job, could not find a job. And I'll tell you what, in talking with him, he was about ready to lose heart. But he continued, he continued, and God showed up and provided a job for him and is blessing him now, is providing for him now. Why? Because he didn't grow weary in doing well. I'm going to continue to live by the Word of God. I'm going to continue to implement the Word of God. I'm going to continue to stay involved in the Word. I'm going to do what God tells me to do. And as long as I do that, God is going to continue to cause me to be fruitful. Don't grow weary in doing well. Continue on. If you don't lose heart, God's not mocked. That which you sow, you also reap. God, we thank you for your Word tonight. God, we thank you that your Word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, I pray that tonight you would take a subject... God, that often does not get communicated in church. God, that you would take a subject that oftentimes is miscommunicated in church, and God, you would make it real to every person in this place tonight. 
God, I pray, Lord God, and, I, and, I, and, and God, we do it with faith, and God, we do it with an understanding, but God, we pray tonight that we would be a church that gives. Just with your eyes closed, I want you to hear my heart tonight as a pastor. Many pastors avoid this subject until years down the road. And they wait, until, they wait until their church is at a certain level, so if they talk about it, well, if some people get offended and leave, it's not going to be a big deal. We're seven weeks in, and I so felt compelled to talk about this by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because this is the culture of who we are. Since Urban started, not just seven weeks ago, but since we started receiving funds back in June, and everything will be posted online come April 1st, and since we started receiving funds, every it's not just something Katie and I do personally. It's something that we have said Urban will give. We will give and we will give. We'll give back to the community 10%. We'll give to other, other churches that need it 10%. We'll give. We're continuing to do that. So hear my heart tonight. My finances aren't perfect. But I can teach you a spiritual principle tonight. As you give, it will be given back. Pressed down, shaking together and running all over. We're implementing in everything we do. So we didn't want to wait a year down the line. We wanted to stay from the get-go, man. Urban is about community. Urban is about the Word of God. Urban is about giving financially. Next week, urban is about prayer. And we believe as we implement those four things in the culture of our church that God's going to do the rest because as you read the rest of Acts chapter 2, God added to them daily those that were being saved. Why? Because people were praying, people were doing life together, people were giving themselves to the Word, and people were giving financially.